0: This is BiblioVile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find.
1: For this episode of BiblioVile, I read Elusive Doubt by Barbara Freethy and Mick read Snowfire by Heather Graham.
0: Welcome to Biblioville. My name is Mick Dickinson. And I'm
1: Susan Dickinson.
0: And we are back here once again. It is nice outside. It is gorgeous the the birds are chirping the sun is still shining at 7:26 i have my
1: first sunburn of the year huh? it wouldn't be the first nice weekend if i didn't get at least a
0: little bit sunburned i've worn nothing but tank tops and nothing else today so that or i wore, ha, I, wore nice. I wore pants but no other <laughs> shirt other than cutoffs today but we are here sitting at a desk at a computer indoors to bring you Bibliobile. So
1: it might not be a super long episode because we're kind of jonesing to get back out there. Yeah, well, I did read my book in two days
0: thanks to it being so nice outside you that I was You
1: did also outside. finish it this time, proud yeah. of you.
0: You say it like it's not the usual. I would say <laughs> on average I do tend to finish.
1: I know. You did finish this one extremely quickly. We had some friends over last night to sit outside and have a fire. And when he stopped reading for the day, Mick was at exactly 69% of nice. his book. He was very pleased about that.
0: Yeah. It's very good. And then I finished the rest today, uh, early in the morning, sitting outside, drinking coffee. Choice. Pretty choice think, way
1: look, to finish a bad we book. Have,
0: we have reached a certain stage in our lives where we can just take pleasure in the weather itself. Like, the weather is not an avenue for something else. It is just like, no, it is nice outside, and that's yeah. good.
1: We no longer feel the pressure to, like, do something cool enough in the day to, like, warrant the good weather. It's well, just like, no, we can just hang out.
0: If it gets any hotter, we might need to do something cool. Uh, Ah, uh-huh. good so, joke, Mick. Susan, I got you, you said it 30 seconds ago when we recorded the intro, but it's the most forgettable title in existence.
1: El- elusive? Doubt. Elusive Doubt yeah. by Barbara Freethi. How did you find this one, Mick?
0: I looked on most recent to the library and said, I, I highlighted a couple, including the book you got me. <laughs> that was Snow great. Fire.
1: I sent Mick the book that I got him, and he was like, no, I, I just sent this to you. I'm like, no, you didn't. He's like, I was just looking at this to send it to you. Yeah. I got to it first.
0: Well, no, I picked Elusive Doubt instead. Yeah. Uh, so Elusive Doubt also came with a, a range of uh, other books in the series that had equally forgettable names. Stuff like Shattered Trust and Broken Dreams and...
1: Critical... Impasse. Others... Something and... Um...
0: Let's see what's going down on down at the Brain Factory.
1: Exactly. Uh, so this is a book series you got me book seven
0: nice are they related is it like a single story
1: so that was the thing that saved me they are related in the sense that it is a universe of characters wow, that well, shows ones... up in each book like the hockey sex book. yes classic but the events of the previous books and the characters from the previous books they might be referenced here and there but you don't have to have read the previous six books mm. in order to understand the one that you got me, which was book number seven. Well, that's good. Thank goodness,
0: because you would have had to read it because you've done that before.
1: I have done that before. Yeah,
0: crazy for this one. I know,
1: crazy for this one. Um, but this one was it was very easy to understand without having read the initial books. So I read the synop synopsises synopses. synopsis of the other of the first six books and I think what happened was that this author had an idea for a five-part series because it seems like books one through five have like each of them have a small plot but there's also a big plot that sort of overarches the first five books and I think she wrapped that up and was like but I really like this thing that I've started and I think they were pretty successful. So she just kind of created characters to keep it going. Um so Uh, the Disney method. This is a series about FBI agents. The series is called FBI off the grid. Um and it is each book follows a different FBI agent tracking uh, down that were together while they were at Quantico. And so they like have relationships and know each other Mm. and they get pulled into different cases. And during these cases, they fall in love. So it, they are are romantic thrillers, as it were.
0: Nice. I, I describe myself the same way. You
1: are a romantic thriller. Um, Honestly, it was fine.
0: Oh, this is going to be a short episode then. Yeah,
1: it, it was fine. Um, the writing was actually pretty good. I thought it was going to be... A lot of times thrillers or mysteries tend to be very predictable, Especially the ones we read for this podcast. Like, yeah. it's, you, it's you, your boss. you're really good at it. Where, like, you even mentioned in the last mystery I got you, like, you knew exactly what happened by, you know, 20% I'm through I'm very smart. And so this one was actually kind of interesting because what I thought was going to happen when I hit 20% didn't. And there were what? some unexpected twists. Uh, the characters, like, actually had a little bit of dimension. So it was good, you know overall it was totally fine i I feel like this would be a good airport thriller like Mm -hmm. you know going on a trip needs something to keep you occupied while you're in the car it was it was pretty good um the kind of overall plot of this book uh we follow two main characters riker and savannah um savannah is a former beauty queen turned fbi agent Ah, that old career that old career path Uh, And then Riker is... Second
0: in command on the Enterprise. He
1: was an army ranger um, and was let go or discharged from the military after an injury from a mission that went wrong. And they encounter each other at the beginning of the book at the funeral of one of Riker's former team members, Paul. Um, So Riker was on this mission with his team. Two of the guys died on the mission. The rest of them all left the military. Um, One lost his leg, uh, and they were kind of scattered. Uh, Riker has really bad PTSD, and, um, like, they're all struggling. And I actually, I don't tend to love military books. um, But this one, I think, actually did a pretty good job of, like, They struggled with things, but it was actually portrayed pretty realistically for the most part. There's one big caveat that I'll talk about. But, um, like, Paul, one of the guys, like, he had a really hard time reconnecting with his wife and his kid. And he had a hard time finding work and started drinking and then was in an accident. He fell off a roof and passed away. And so they're at Paul's funeral, Savannah and Riker. Here was the part about this book that was a little cheesy. They don't just meet at the funeral, which would have been perfectly fine. They reconnect at the funeral. Do you remember this from the yeah, synopsis? They, they
0: spent one night in a dangerous situation of anonymous passion.
1: Yeah, it wasn't even a dangerous situation. They had a one-night stand. Like, they hooked up at a hotel bar, and the sex was so good that both of them have been thinking about it for the past five years, but they never thought they'd see each other again. And then they're both at this funeral because... Paul or Riker knows Paul because they were in the army together and Savannah knows Paul because she is childhood friends with his wife Abby so that was just kind of dumb like why did they have to have a sexy backstory why couldn't they just like every other book we've read why couldn't they just have met and immediately fallen in love that's that's how it's supposed to go I never thought I'd hear you requesting I know (laughs) mildly sarcastically um So, they make a big point at the beginning that Savannah's dad, like, she has a bad relationship with him. He's been really controlling. He kind of abandoned her after her mom died. I totally thought that he was going to wind up being the big baddie. Um, And so, that was kind of what I was expecting, but he didn't. So, that was the unexpected twist. Ah, Wait, so there's a big baddie.
0: He fell off a roof. Is the big baddie Isaac Newton?
1: So, here's the thing. So, Paul falls off the roof, and then they're at Paul's funeral, and... Riker is talking to Todd, who is another guy on their team. And Todd is really upset. He feels guilty that he wasn't there for Paul, all this stuff. And then he is leaving the funeral parlor and his truck goes into the river. And so Riker jumps in to try to save him, but he's not in the car. So in the course of a couple days, Todd goes missing and Paul... um. Dies. Dies in an unexpected accident, okay?
0: As opposed to an expected accident?
1: Well, I suppose, yeah. Um, And so, then Riker gets nervous, like, it seems like all the people on his team are, like, dropping off one by one. My theory, what I thought was going to happen in the end was, like, something was up with their mission that failed, and the people who sabotaged their mission were trying to take them out one by one. Um, And I thought that savannah's dad was going to have something to do with it but they didn't uh it turns out paul and todd were still alive so that was one big thing that i was not expecting um
0: mark toy or uh, huckleberry finn situation
1: yeah so before we know that they're back to life uh riker thinks things are fishy that these guys disappeared one after or died slash disappeared one after the other starts investigating with savannah who's an fbi agent uh, Todd's house, where Riker is staying, blows up. And then there are several attempts made on Savannah and Riker's lives while they're investigating this this situation. Um, so they figure out that Paul and Todd were involved in some kind of like money-making scheme. Um, they find out that Paul is still alive. They're hoping that Todd's still but alive.
0: I played that CD backwards, and I'm pretty sure that Paul is dead. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and that's why he's facing the wrong way in the Abbey Row cover.
1: Oh, you're right. And then who's the person that's claiming to be Paul?
0: Avril Lavigne.
1: Oh, yeah. I think I heard about that one. But no, isn't it like her twin sister?
0: No, that's uh, the Duchess of Cambridge.
1: Oh, Kate Middleton. Oh, no. I thought it was. Who's that little girl who was in beauty pageants that was murdered? Uh, Uh, John Bonet Ramsey. Isn't that it?
0: No, you're thinking of the Illuminati.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. All these things are just really getting mixed up in my head um remember when i told you that this book actually like wasn't that bad it's sounding bonkers as i'm trying to explain it to you um paul and todd are involved in some kind of money making scheme and all of the former teammates were involved in an arms deal trying to smuggle weapons and sell them to terrorists
0: (laughs) classic (laughs) Uh, this is what happens when we don't have good va care
1: and it wasn't the it wasn't Savannah's dad, who was sort of in charge of it all, it was his buddy, Colonel Vance. Um, he's the one who sent them out on the mission where everyone got hurt. Uh, and then one of the guys that they thought died, like one of their team members, actually didn't die. He helped set up the whole thing so he could disappear. And he's I'm still alive. Theme. Mm-hmm. Lots of people coming back to life after a very long time. Um, in the end, uh, Savannah and Riker save the day. They hey. fall in love. All the bad guys either go to jail or get shot.
0: Is Paul a bad guy?
1: Uh, Paul goes to jail. Paul it is sort of revealed, like, was in on this, but not all the way. He thought it was just a way of, like, getting money to help support his kid. So he um, is going to wind up doing some jail time. His wife decides to divorce him, but he's not going to do as much jail time as the big baddies. The thing that I thought was very like over the top this is not how real life works about this book overall it did a pretty good job of of explaining like the impact of of being at war and coming home and what that's like to to go through as far as we know i i have not been through that but it seemed to be fairly realistic of like it it can be hard to reconnect with people that you knew before but also it can be hard to stay close to, like, your army buddies because you're scattered all over. Everyone's kind of going through their own thing. The part that seemed very unrealistic to me is the way that specifically Riker's PTSD is described. So his only symptom of PTSD is that when certain things happen throughout the plot, he hears bells in his head go off. And so... It's only when very specific things happen and so after he gets back he's like I don't know what what triggers this and it's very upsetting so he goes and lives on a boat by himself and as he meets Savannah and like gets involved in this mystery
0: wedding bells
1: she is realizing that they're getting triggered by specific things they're not wedding bells that would have been too much um But she is convinced that the bells are actually clues and his subconscious is trying to help him solve the mystery. That's totally how PTSD works, isn't it, Mick?
0: That's really dumb.
1: Yeah. So he like intentionally starts putting himself in these situations so that he can trigger the bells. And then he like it brings back memories that had been suppressed of the mission that went wrong. And he figures out that they had been set up and that leo was behind it and like his ptsd helps him solve the mystery and then wouldn't you know it once the mystery is solved and all the bad guys get put in jail it's, he magically does not have any side effects and any ptsd the, anymore the
0: big robot had a connection to all the other robots so they blew up too exactly
1: it was just a little too the end of this book was just a little too neat um, like everything wrapped up a little too well, and I get you want your characters to be happy, but like Savannah reunites with her dad after decades of having a contentious relationship. Like I don't know that any of this is how these things would work in real life not
0: related to the theme or growth of the characters at large. Yeah, for
1: sure. Um, but overall, the 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 characters were. Pretty well developed. The writing was I, good. I bet
0: she was. Well <laughs> yeah.
1: Developed. Um. I mean, she's beauty queen after all. Is there any And an FBI agent. Uh. Not explicit, Aww. but they do. They hook up. They fall in love, and then they decide that they're going to figure out a way to make it work and be together at the end. Um, none of the other books were really spoiled in this one, other than knowing like these two characters wind up together. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that wrapped up a little too nicely is like Savannah and all of these other characters wind up. um, like they're gonna be on a special task force together, I think, as a way of setting up future books. Um, so there were some things that were a little cheesy and i I would say kind of unnecessary, like their whole one night stand five years ago thing. Um the ending wrapped up a little too nicely to be any sort of believable, but overall it was well written, it was paced well. Was, I would say in terms of bibliophile books, a pretty easy read. Nice. Yeah. How was Snowfire?
0: It was alright. Anyway, this <laughs> has been Bibliovile. You can find me on Twitter at Dickie Mom. I'm pretty D-I-C-K. sure we make that joke every single time no. a book isn't terrible. <laughs> Snowfire was incredibly melodramatic, but it was about the theatre industry, and Ah. so that might have had something to do with it. Maybe it was- El Teatro. It was was, a ludo narrative. It was was written in the thing it's describing, and- The plot of the book is that there's some lady who has gray eyes.
1: Of course Uh, they're gray. She is uh
0: driving in a blizzard and can't get her car started. And luckily there's this huge house right over the hill, uh, that is staffed by a very handsome man, and so she gets saved from the blizzard and invited in, but he kinda he thinks that she's a reporter coming to do like an expose on him, and so he doesn't Mm. trust her and there's yelling and chasing and he he has to bring her into the house because she's going to die of frostbite and so he gets to see her naked <gasps> while he's saving her life but he doesn't he doesn't sexually assault her, so he's pretty much a hero.
1: Yeah, he really is. Do they um, feel a connection as soon as they meet for the first time? Yeah,
0: I mean, not not the part where they're threatening each other and running away. But um, the thing is that he was accused uh, five years before this of murdering his wife, who was a leading oh. starlet or whatever. And so that's why he, he didn't do it. Obviously, uh, that would be a weird book if it's like no at the at the end it turns out he actually did do it. That'd be weird.
1: That would and be so, a pretty interesting book, though.
0: Yeah, what this book is is just your quintessential mom wants some porn and doesn't want to
1: yeah. purchase
0: Cinemax kind of thing. Where legitimately a little overwritten, uh, but the sexual tension is very palpable. It's it's very clearly like a fantasy. Uh, they're like, ooh, I'm stuck in the cold and you yeah. come and rescue me. And now we're snowed in. But there's something just a little bit dangerous about it.
1: And it, So it, was, it just straight up got you erotica, basically. Yeah, more or
0: less. The only thing that kept this from being erotica was that it doesn't get dirty. And so, like, he'll smooch all up on her naked and he'll smooch where that, that furry mound or oh. what have you. Nah, it wasn't yeah. that bad. Uh, and then he, like, sucks on her nipples, but it's never like, or in his throbbing need. And she says, Oh, and that's when we get that he's like doing her yeah. and so we get a bunch of sex scenes that are less than like five pages long and never mention like cock or pussy. Yeah. And so it's like We've definitely read worse sex scenes oh yeah. for this podcast. Um and so it's basically like soft core erotica in a way where they're just sort of like vaguely grinding near each other's genitals, but they don't show anything. And It's
1: dry humping erotica. <laughs> basically.
0: It's like the type of erotic, or it's like the type of uh, thing that would appear at uh, 1230 at night on a Saturday if you were able to get onto the HBO channels. Not that I would know anything about that. Where it's very clearly made for people who aren't, well, I, this one's not, this one's made for a mom who thinks she's above it but isn't. Um, <laughs> where two women having sex or whatever are just rubbing their boobs together yeah. and it's like this is the height of sexiness to us and it's like that's not and it's not it's just for the thirteen year old who's staying up too late to watch this.
1: Yeah.
0: So it was pretty good. Was uh, that a little
1: bit autobiographical there Mick.
0: What? <laughs> um it's uh it's pretty good all in all. It was a very did quick they, read. Did
1: they dig into the like Yeah murder- they solved the murder of course. Oh okay. Of course they did. Was that like Would you say that was the main point of the book or the sex scenes were the main point in the book?
0: I think the love story was the main point of the book because they they did do a a really good job and it, it does come down to not communicating. But at the same time, they had reasons not to trust each other very well. And the main character has flaws, but also is trying but the you know, that sort of stuff. So pretty good work. Um, I do really think that the, the point of the book was the initial uh, four, four or five days that they were trapped in the house together and just fucked endlessly uh, as being like, hey, wouldn't this be hot? And the people reading it are like, yeah, that's pretty hot. <laughs> and then it's like, ah, oh, shit, we have to finish the rest of this book. Bless you, Finn. Um, so yeah, that was Snowfire. I'm glad you got it for me and that I didn't get it for you, because it was an easy, quick read that did not uh leave me furious at the human race.
1: Well, that's kind of disappointing. I, I would much rather leave you disappointed with the human race.
0: Instead, this week you have to read Unbreakable Bond, a Jamie Bond novel.
1: Mick hand so we actually finally got back to the library this week. Uh folks that follow us on Twitter probably saw the photo that Mick posted um it was very exciting to be back in the library they uh opened up again a few weeks ago and we were finally able to make it back and we both picked out our books super quickly well we only have 15 minutes i know no
0: one is keeping track of
1: um we both also got each other very short books mine has fewer than 200 pages so i'll be done with it in like an afternoon yeah Um, Oh, okay when mick First handed me this book i was like he got me a weird looking james bond novel and then i did a closer look and it is a jamie bond novel which i'm interested to see like isn't bond some type of intellectual property like james bond is they can they can just do whatever with jamie yeah, bond yeah i suppose or jim bond it has a jim woman bond
0: sounds like a like a uh, laxative not a laxative a uh Oh, a powder that you put when you're chafing.
1: Yeah. um, It has a very purple woman on the cover. She has purple hair and purple lips and a purple dress and huge boobs and gray eyes. And... No
0: waist at all. And it's, no waist at all. It's a very it's confusing... It's really weird. The parabolas, like, cross over each other. Yeah. There's a negative zone over a, a, a negative waist.
1: And it is called Unbreakable Bond... Her name is Bond, Jamie Bond, and her life is about to be shaken and stirred in a cocktail of sex, lies, scandals, and one very dead body.
0: About as dead as you can get. So
1: cute. I'm very excited to read this.
0: And you took a little bit longer, but did pull out Stephen Blackmore's Fire Season. Sure did. Which very clearly has a picture of John Constantine from Keanu Reeves' Constantine on the front cover. (laughs) Yep,
1: it does.
0: Um, and uh, it tells me that Los Angeles is burning and it's like, well, too real. Uh, during one of the hottest summers the city has ever seen, someone is murdering mages with fire, uh, that burn when they shouldn't that don't stop when they should necromancer, Eric Carter, also known as John Constantine, I assume (laughs) is being framed for the killings and hunted by his own people. This is where it gets good. To Carter, everything points to the god Quetzalcoatl coming after him after, after he defined the mad wind god in the Aztec land of the dead. But too many things aren't adding up, and Carter knows there's more going on. If he doesn't figure out what it is and put a stop to it fast, Quetzalcoatl won't just kill him, he'll burn the whole damn city down too. When I got to Quetzalcoatl, I knew I was in the right place.
1: Yeah, when I got to Quetzalcoatl, I stopped reading because I knew that I had found it. Yeah, so John
0: Constantine <laughs> fights the Aztecs uh, for next time.
1: Yeah, and you can't complain too terribly much because... It's a 300. Fewer than 300 pages. Yeah. We're doing all right. Uh, yeah, so Aztec gods, mages, and necromancers. This might be a classic
0: yeah, let's, let's hope so. It's, it's going in the vault um that will in fact do it for this week of this episode of biblio my name has been will continue to be mick dickinson and
1: i'm susan dickinson you
0: can find the the podcast on twitter but other than that i'm pretty sure you know everything already
1: yeah you can find me on twitter if you want to uh and the intro music to our podcast is babe of the night by the band elixir off of their album ramp our dog has the hiccups it's adorable it's really cute
0: good night
1: good night